Dr. Nicholas Bornolis of Capital Inc. again, and I am delighted to welcome you to the last, but definitely not the least of the panels of the first day of our Norway Forum. We started the morning with uh, a presentation by, by Helian Tofte of the uh, Norwegian Shipowners Association. And Helian described to us the vibrancy of the, Nor of the Norwegian maritime cluster. And a very big part of that has been uh, technology, the maritime clusters. So now uh, we have a panel that is going to focus exactly on uh, innovation and technology, developing cutting edge solutions for global shipping. And uh, we are going to have the opportunity to, to have with us uh, the heads of maritime clusters, leading um, uh, technology companies. And I would like to thank uh, Morten uh, Lero from DNV, our partners in this conference for helping to put this panel together and moderating it. And of course, I am gratified to have such a high level uh, participation uh, from our panelists. So thank you to all for joining us. And uh, I look forward to, uh, to the panel discussion. Thank you very, very much. More than the floor is yours. Thank you, Nicolas. Thank you for that uh, kind introduction. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this uh, session on technology and innovation. So I'm Morten Lero, and I'm heading Maritime Advisory in DNV. And I'm happy to host this panel where I, together with the panelists, will explore the topic uh, Norway, innovation and technology, developing cutting edge solutions for global shipping. Before we dive into this very timely and interesting topic, let me first give you a quick introduction to our panelists being with me here today. So in our panel, we have representatives from leading technology providers from the maritime industry, and we also have executives from two Norwegian clusters that propel and facilitate for change and innovation. So um, let me first introduce Hege Ökland, CEO of Maritime Cleantech. Good afternoon to you, Hege. Good afternoon, everyone. Nice to be here. Then we have uh, Per-Erik Dahlm, CEO of AQP and Blue Maritime Cluster. Good afternoon. Uh, then I turn to you, Jorulf, Jorulf Nergård, Vice President of Market Development Marine AVB. Hello to you. Hello, thank you. Nice to be here. And uh, then we have Lars Endre Gimmestad, Deputy CEO of Brødrene Å. Good afternoon, uh, honored to be here. And last but not least, we have uh, Øystein Leren, Director for Industry and Market Leads of Yara Clean Ammonia. Hi, good afternoon, everyone. And uh, thanks, Morten, for uh, the opportunity to uh, participate on this panel. So as you see, we have a very interesting group of people in our panel here to discuss and share their views on the topic of technology and innovation. So they are representing different parts of the maritime industry, including a system provider, a builder, and the provider of alternative green fuels, as well as uh, representatives having maritime clusters with an ambition to facilitate for innovation and development by bringing companies together across the industry. So let me first uh, set the scene for our discussion in this, uh, in this session. 
Um, we are currently in a time of transformation due to developments in technology and the ambitions to set, set to reduce ambitions, emissions and eventually to move towards a carbon neutral state. And these changes will require significant investments in development activity towards new solutions. Innovation and technology with an expert orientation, export orientation towards the global maritime industry are among the leading competitive advantages of the Norwegian maritime cluster. And the country hosts technology providers that supply the shipping industry with cutting edge solutions. New thinking, innovation, and engaging broadly across stakeholders and industry players may be needed to tackle the challenges ahead of us. How are companies working to embark on this journey? What strategies do they develop and how are they working with other companies to position themselves for the future? How are Norwegian maritime clusters propelling change and innovation to their contribution to Norwegian value cre creation? These are some of the questions we will try to address in this uh, session. So I will now turn to our panelists to hear from each of them on their perspectives of innovation in an area of transformation towards zero emission. First, I would like to hear from our two cluster, clusters represented here in the panel. So please share with us the concept of the technology clusters. How do you see your role for fostering technological development and innovation? First, I give the word to you, Hege, CEO of Maritime Cleantech a cluster based on the west coast of Norway with cluster partners from all over Norway. Thank you for your kind introduction, Morten. Um, I would like to share a presentation with you. Uh, thank you. Um, thank you. The first slide, please. Yes, uh, as you uh, said in your introduction, Morten, uh, the industry is uh, in a huge transformation and the shipping industry has an important job ahead of us to meet IMO's greenhouse gas strategy, but also regional and local regulations. Still, when developing and launching new green solutions that reduces emissions from shipping, you meet many challenges and barriers. Fossil fuels are still cheaper than renewable energy. And the future fuel for shipping is not yet, not yet a clear solution. New technology and new energy systems needs to be developed and validated and demonstrated full scale. We also need to develop a new infrastructure and new supply chains for new fuels. This job is huge and it is impossible for a single company to drive this development alone. You need to collaborate. Uh, the cluster partnership in Maritime Cleantech consists of 140 partners from the entire maritime value chain. And I like to add the new maritime value chain because we need to include new players in this value chain. We need to include uh, suppliers of renewable energy from the energy sector. We need to include suppliers of fuel cells and battery, for instance. And we also need to collaborate with other sectors and uh, uh, the public sector and also 
uh, finance sector. Uh, in addition to this, we uh, are, as a cluster, uh, having a closely close dialogue with uh, different public bodies, both because uh, the public bodies represent uh, uh, regulators, but also uh, customers in many ways. Uh, they are, for instance, uh, um, the, the partner when uh, uh, setting out public contracts for, for new ferries. So as a cluster, we are focusing on developing a complete ecosystem for innovation. Uh, and the, the most uh, important partners are represented here in this slide. We need to have access to test infrastructure and capital, and we need to involve end users uh, from ship owners and cargo owners. And we, uh, we set up different projects involving a different consortium of partners developing and launching new technology. So if you can take the next slide, please. Here you can see some examples of innovation projects coming out from this cluster. We now have four ongoing innovation projects with EU funding where we are developing new energy systems and demonstrating them full scale on operating vessels. Um, but the electrical revolution in Norway started with the passenger ferries. Uh, I guess you have heard about Ampere, which was the very first electrical ferry in Norway. And the next step now is an, uh, uh, a ferry with uh, running on liquid hydrogen. And we bring this experience from the ferries over to other uh, vessel segments, like for instance, the offshore vessels. In the Ship FC project, we are demonstrating an energy system with fuel cells running on green ammonia on board um, Edesvik vessel, which is an offshore supply vessel. And this vessel will uh, uh, run a demonstration uh, project uh, for four years, and it will start in uh, 2023. We also have other vessels like the High Ship uh, project, where we are demonstrating uh, energy system with liquid hydrogen. And uh, the coordinator for this project is the ship owner Willemsen, and uh, Willemsen will use these vessels uh, to also distribute cargo along the uh, ports or base uh, offshore bases uh, along the Norwegian coast, uh, in addition to uh, hydrogen uh, on board containers. So this vessel will in fact be a distribu distribution channel for uh, green liquid hydrogen. Uh, in the flagship project, which is also an EU project, we are demonstrating uh, compressed hydrogen on board two pilot projects. And one of the pilots is a cargo vessel running on uh, the Seine uh, River in Paris. So we have a great uh, uh, use and success of collaborating with European partners uh, in these EU projects. But some of the projects uh, are also with only partners from the cluster. Uh, for instance, we have a, a cargo um, shipping project uh, and we also have a, 
a green cruise concept which has been developed in the cluster. So these are just some examples of how we work as a cluster, setting up a consortium of uh, partners re represented uh, by the uh, different technology providers and the end user and also public partners. So this is uh, just a small presentation for me. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Hege, for, for sharing and for giving us some insight in the ecosystem of innovation uh, and also for sharing some of the projects that you and your members are part of. So I was wondering, again, uh, the cluster recently celebrated its 10-year anniversary. Uh, have you seen any changes in the focus areas or in the focus of the cluster during these years? Yes, we. Uh, it has been a very interesting journey uh, to be part of this cluster uh, for these 10 years. In the beginning, uh, no one talked about the green shift or the transition from fossil fuels. Uh, so when we had some innovative partners in the cluster uh, launching uh, the concept of a fully battery electric ferry, that was, uh, yeah, it, Someone uh, shook their head and said, "Those those people, they don't know uh, how this will be, uh, will uh, will work." But uh, uh, now uh, we think that um, all uh, all companies uh, have some kind of uh, of strategy for sustainable operations, uh, and we have seen a very growing interest in becoming a part of this cluster partnership uh, because people or the companies recognize that. We cannot do this uh, job um, on our own. Very good. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Hege. Uh, I think then we will uh, uh, move a little bit further north uh, on the coast, west coast of Norway, to Ålesund, where we have you, Per-Erik. Uh, what perspectives would you like to share from, uh, from your point of view? And how do you see the role uh, of the cluster in your region? Um. The DC Blue Maritime Cluster, um, uh, you should be aware of this is a very old cluster. Uh, and actually, we, we got the national status back in 2004 uh, as a Norwegian center of expertise. But the cluster story is much older, and it started uh, building fishing vessels. Uh, and when, when uh, North Sea opened, uh, we we brought in uh, the new and modern oil vessels in, uh, in that region. And actually, it became a global leading position on, on the big advanced offer vessel using uh, all type of technologies to, to bring it forward. Um, we, we, we are lucky because we are, we are a, a, a cluster with a complete value chain. And in every segment, we have many actors, 16 uh, design companies. We have, uh, we have several yards. We have uh, equipment manufacturers, ship, ship owners. And an important part when we started up as a formal cluster was to build up uh, an innovation ecosystem. Uh, and these days, uh, Campus Olesen with all, all all these uh, partners, we really have a, a, a nice system, which is uh, looking for 
global uh, partners to, to, to bring in new technology and uh, cooperate to find the solution. This cluster is known for its innovation speed uh, and, uh, uh, and also the capability to switch to new segments. This is a culture thing. Uh, we, are, we are very informal, flat organizations. Uh, and, and of course, we have this saying, we cooperate when we can and compete when we must. Though you should be aware of that we are uh, located with a core in Möre. The value chain is Norwegian and global. So, so this is really a global cluster. Over the years, uh, the cluster have uh, uh, competed with new innovations on, on new vessels. And an important part of that has all the time been to see how could we come up with new and greener solutions. Long before people started talking about uh, the green thing, it was fuel saving and, and things like that. So the design of health, propulsion, engines, and also, of course, how to operate the vessels in the best way. Um, and of course, uh, to do this, we, we, we were cooperating globally and try to find new ways of doing things and, and try to uh, try out new technologies. But in this fast changing world, and it's probably always been changing and fast, but it, uh, probably faster than ever. Uh, I think the whole maritime business must cooperate to come up with new technologies, to try to scale it as fast as possible due to the uh, political ambitions and the speed of that. These ambitions uh, really uh, will give enormous costs uh, in the uh, speed this is uh, meant to be. And uh, we are looking at how to scale it because to get down the pre price uh, and the cost of operation, we must scale the solutions. Uh, it's nice to have one uh, prototype, but, uh, but uh, the industry needs scaling to, to really um, build the future. So we are looking for uh, partners all over the world, uh, which is interesting to, to, to start using this new technology, taking a part of the bill, uh, of course, with a big part of governmental finance to, 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 to get them up and running so we can have experience enough to scale, scale the solutions. Uh, we also are, uh, have the view that there are not only one energy solution. There are going to be several, and, and we like to test out all of them and, and see for which segment is the best. Uh, and therefore, again, we, we have to go global to find partners out there to do it, to meet this uh, challenge. So we uh, will in the future, uh, and I think this is a global conference, uh, we are looking for partners out there uh, to, to cooperate, to, to bring the maritime industry forward. And that includes, of course, R&D, which is a, part, a big part of this. And this is also how our new strategy is based to do it in this way. We think that 
it will be a new building, but we will also have retrofit of older vessels with new green technology. So that is our strategy and, uh, and uh, hope to hear from some of your uh, participants today. Thank you. Very good. Thank you very much, uh, Pederik, for sharing uh, insights of uh, your Blue Maritime cluster. Um, you mentioned that the cluster is being seen as innovative and quick to respond to market change. Uh, could you say anything or a little bit more about the background for that and why you think that that is so? Uh, I think uh, first of all, it's the culture. It's 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 uh, the core is a small region, uh, and we 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 have a, a, a informal behavior, and and all, uh, I think uh, we also have a combination of very good market view. So we are doing this uh, project together with customers. And of course, uh, have you found a customer you have to deliver and deliver fast. Uh, and therefore, as I said, we, 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 of course, we are involved in a lot of project and research project, but we also are using uh, results as soon as we see them uh, to, to convert it into a product that's possible to sell. Very good. Thank you very much, Pederik, uh, for that further insight. Uh, then I will turn to you, Jodulf, uh, representing a company with a significant portfolio of technology and solutions towards the maritime industry. Uh, you're actively engaging in projects and pilots for green shipping. Please share with us how you see the road ahead in terms of the need for innovation and development and how you in ABB go about these uh, aspects. Yeah, thank you very much. And um, try to give a brief introduction of uh, what we are and uh, what we are doing and how we are seeing uh, how to develop it further. Um, ABB is a global company working globally, but established in Norway. And a lot of the development have been done from Norway earlier uh, years, and also still doing this. And our purpose is to transfer the industry by the power of technology to do more smarter and more sustainable solutions. We are a pioneer also in electric transportation, having provided electrical systems the last hundred years um, for the vessels. Um, and also today, we have about uh, 1,700 vessels uh, which have equipped, so which is equipped with our large, um, let's say, electric technologies. And we believe that the future uh, will be in shipping will be with um, electrical and digital connected solutions, even more than we have seen earlier. Um, and the reason is uh, when we are now seeing the uh, discussions uh, generated by also IMO or with a strong message to reduce the emissions in 2030, 2050, as also the Union's message um, to be zero emission in the quite close future. Um, then we need to move from the fossil fuels over to these um, zero emission uh, fuels as hydrogen and ammonia, electricity from the grid. And that they can be used for fuel cells and batteries in order to power the uh, propulsion of the vessels, depending on the operation pattern, um, or do um, powering of the some other systems on board as a combination of other means for the propulsion. Examples uh, can be said that the zero emission ferries from South Korea to some port authority and that recently received, and the 10 uh, vessels from Portugal Lisbon, the uh, Tagus River. 
quite interesting with the fast, fast um, speed uh, ferries. And uh, another type of vessel, Podnant exploration cruise vessel with a large um, battery pack on board uh, used for zero emission quiet operation in sensitive Arctic areas. Um, I can also mention also a little bit uh, uh, flagged also earlier now today this European Innovation Flagship Project, uh, which is quite interesting with the uh, in the river waterways in, in Europe. We'll see how the large development there for the CFT and hydrogen fuel cells operated the vessel cargo vessel. Um, I can also mention uh, uh, it's a lot of discussion for other uh, projects ongoing. Um, which we cannot name by name, uh, but we can may have said a little bit on the Ward Engineering Lead Consortium for the Zero Coastal Vessel, which you are part of. It's quite interesting to see a flexible solution there that will be launched or have been also introduced. For many, chip uh, and new technologies present some challenges in the fuel logistics. Increased investment cost, which is a challenge, and uh, changes in daily operation of the vessel. Uh, challenges um, are not insurmountable, but um, should be considered during the uh, planning of the projects. Uh, some points there: it's a fuel. Uh, if the fuel is available for my vessel to where I operate at a payable price, uh, which fuel will be mandatory when I need to renew my fleets? Uh, which energy converters should be selected? Consider weight, volume, available space on board. Should the vessel be flexible built? to allow changes uh, of energy carrier later on, if necessary, that they could be possible. Uh, legislation in the area operation, which requirement will come into play when? As an example, zero emission sailing in port, the port stay or, uh, in Norway fjords by 2026 or 2030. It's um, have been a discussion. Um, as the solution requires infrastructure, fuel availability, and more, collaboration is a key to move forward. And I think here, as we heard also earlier, the maritime cluster, such as Maritime Clintech here, Blue Maritime Cluster, and the Green Shipping Program have been an important role in this, enabling pilot projects to test, demonstrate, and further develop the zero emission technology for the commercial use. Another important collaboration and the contributor is national, regional, government bodies, such as Innovation Norway and Novan Noxfund and these EU's Horizon 2020, who all do funding and to contribute to reduce the price gap between the new and the traditional technologies. For energy storage, the fuels allow the low zero emission solutions to become cheaper. A large volume uh, is the key in order to uh, achieve these. Um, and uh, uh, the public, I think the public uh, uh, purchasing is helping to maybe uh, introduce the technology in, in the local areas. But, and they have done so in a certain degree. But to really crank up the volume, nations can still do more to push low and zero emission. For instance, setting demand on the zero emission for local transportation. Uh, the impression is that the cargo owners, um, which is the, the final owners of the, 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 of the chain, we like to transport the goods with the zero emission if it's economically viable. However, from the industry side, we have not yet agreed on which fuels should be the dominant ones in order to have a certain volume. So even though we as a system integrator, we are ready to install the systems, owners um, to some extent has to equip the vessels uh, and the fuel suppliers are waiting um, to see which fuel supply logistic to roll out. All the players need to pull together uh, to make um, uh, zero emission shipping 
as a new normal. So um, I think a collaboration is the keyword here. Very good. Thank you very much. Uh, very interesting to hear uh, your reflections on uh, the need and, and, and yeah, the need to, to work with, with these various stakeholders to make uh, the innovation and the new technology uh, come to market. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Uh, I was also wondering, um, just a quick comment from you, Jorif, on the, the reason you think uh, the Portuguese and these uh, Korean customers are selecting a Norwegian system supplier, as you showed on your slide. Yeah, uh, we do. we're seeing it, they have done this, and I think we, are, we can compete in the global environment as well. And I think on top of that, we are developing systems um, and been quite far uh, by doing this from Norway. So ABB is a global company, yes, but this is um, controlled by the Norwegian office, actually, uh, and development have been done here in, in the environment of Norway. So I think that's the key that we are a little bit um, ahead some others. Okay, very good, thank you. Lars Andre, you are heading a company, Yard, well known for bringing new and innovative solutions to the market. Can you please share with us uh, your company philosophy to innovation and development, and also some of your reflections on the way forward and the changes needed towards zero emissions? Yes, thank you, Morten, and thank you DNV and Capital Link for having me on this panel. That's a, it's a big question. So how to approach it and uh, and in a in a few minutes. But um, just let me spend a minute or so just to introduce uh, Brother Noah for the audience. There might be someone that uh, not familiar with our company. We are basically a small shipyard. We are located on uh, on the west coast of Norway in in a small place Konohien, and that's also a way of understanding the the sort of inspiration for innovation in our company. We are in a in a small uh, community and uh, our CEO, he uh, usually says that uh, in order to to be um, be here, we need to be uh, in the forefront. We need to be best. We need to be on the top. Otherwise, we won't have a shipyard in a place like this. And that's what sort of drives innovation in, in the company, I would say. Uh, the company was founded um, around 75 years ago by two brothers, Brødrene means brothers in, um, in Norwegian. Um, and we are a complete shipyard. We are designing and constructing and producing uh, mostly high-speed vessels. Uh, and it has been a, a company pioneering different solutions ever since its uh, founding. Um, in the 70s, uh, the company adopted um, uh, fiberglass sandwich, a GRP sandwich construction as, as the building material. And in the 80s, uh, surface effect chips was introduced. Um, but sort of the, the biggest change for Brother No was the introduction of carbon fiber as the building material in, uh, in 2002, about soon 20 years ago. And this was initially driven by um, um, the um, the goal of, of uh, making vessels that were lightweighted that could uh, make the operational costs go down in terms of lower fuel consumption. But with the um, emerging of, um, of uh, yeah, the climate focus and the, uh, the, the quest for carbon neutrality, the, um, the positive effects of light, lighter vessels have sort of uh, been reinforced um, by the by the focus on, on environment. 
So we have built close to 70 vessels now in carbon fiber and the, the, we are experiencing uh, uh, high demand for our products. And we are one of the few shipyards using that building material. And we have expanded with additional yard in Norway and now also with a yard in Guangzhou in China. In terms of, of um, the zero emission, the quest for, for uh, low and zero emission, we, uh, we have started the introduction of such solutions. The first one was the vision of the fjord, which you can see on the picture, uh, which was a sightseeing vessel uh, operating at slow speed. And the reason being that uh, high-speed vessels are very uh, energy-consuming uh, uh, vehicles, so so they need a lot of energy. And so we have started with this uh, more of the low-speed segments uh, with the vision of the fjords, and there have also been two sister vessels uh, built in the same design. And the uh, the last contribution to the zero emission uh, fleet was the Riga Elector, which is the top right one, uh, and she. Um, she had a respectable 23 knot in testing. So uh, we are seeing that we are moving in a, in a, in, uh, into higher speeds as technology, technology is developing. Um, moving to your question about innovation, um, like Pererik said, uh, there needs to be a culture for innovation in the company in order to be innovative. Uh, you have to be uh, have an attitude of continuous improvement. That's sort of the foundation to, to, uh, to, to come up with the innovative solutions. And it, uh, you have to be innovative on many levels. You, you need to be uh, innovative in management uh, to have uh, efficient uh, running of the company. And you have to be uh, also innovative when it comes to your processes internally. We are a shipbuilder. We are a, uh, an uh, an industrial player and we need to make sure that uh, the hours that we put into the products uh, are as few as possible so we need to work efficiently and that's also part of innovation and not to forget to be innovative in our products um, and one aspect of innovation is that it's it's um, you have to be risk willing willing to take risk on new technology and jump into projects that you know uh, you you don't know for sure that you will come out at the other end with a with a, a solution that the market will will ask for but but at least you need to be willing to take that risk but at the same time you need to be, mitigate that risk to to uh, to find ways to make that risk as low as possible and i think that one of the uh, the ways that we approach that is by having a, a quite open innovation model where we uh, where we turn to other players in order to uh, to come up with new solutions together with the partners and the, and the most important partner for us is the customer because the customer comes to the table with specific needs specific requirements uh, some kind of market uh, demand that they want to meet and we have very positive experience working closely with our customers in order to develop new solutions. Like the Seaside concept is a, is a very good example, which was developed in a close collaboration with, with our customers. And then, you, then we turn around and see uh, who else do we need to cooperate? Well, we need to cooperate with our suppliers. We are dependent on, on available technology because we are not the battery uh, developer. We are not. Uh, uh, making fuel cells, hydrogen fuel cells. We need to rely on our suppliers. 
Um, and, and we have also a close uh, collaboration with, with them, like AVB, for instance, uh, that we have uh, exciting projects uh, on the table uh, together with them. Um, and thirdly, I would uh, emphasize institutions like clusters, uh, these networks, they also play an important role in connecting us with uh, interesting partners. Because at the end of the day, we are a system integrator like ABB. We are producing vessel, yes, but it's, it's a sum of various components and uh, efforts from other partners coming in, coming together in our product. So we need to be a, a good system integrator in order to, to, yeah, to bring a good product to the market. Um, well, looking ahead, I think uh, the changes forward uh, certainly, the, the the chase or the the quest for carbon neutrality is, is propelling change. It's propelling technological development, uh, and you see it through the whole value chain. Um, and it challenges us in two ways. We need to be innovative in two ways. We need to be innovative in the way we produce our products. That's uh, uh, like I said in the said in the beginning. Uh, because it comes down to the resources that we put into our product. We need efficient production processes and the way we use uh, resources uh, need to be efficient. And we need to also pay attention to the growing uh, concern of circularity that, that we design our products in, uh, with a circularity in mind, that, uh, that components, material, everything has also an end of life that it's, it will be a very important part of our innovation uh, going forward. Uh, and I think the rules and requirements from, uh, from the public, from the market, from governments, that will increase that demand to, to meet that expectation. And the other area where innovation will take place and is taking place is within the energy uh, field. Uh, coming down to energy efficiency, meaning that we need to produce energy efficient vessels. Uh, they have to be lighter. Uh, they have to, uh, we have to uh, improve our use of carbon fiber to make lighter vessels. We need lighter components. We need uh, hull comp concepts, hull designs, foils, uh, solutions that can sort of take down the need for energy. And the other part of energy is the storage part and transportation part. Uh, we, uh, we still need to go, uh, uh, go away when it comes to um, uh, battery development uh, to improve the weight energy ratio, uh, hydrogen solutions, uh, for instance, uh, uh, we, we need to, to come into play and, and so forth. And, and the energy issue needs to be met with infrastructure on land in terms of distribution of, of these um, sources of energy. Uh, so, yeah. Thank, thank you very much, Joystein. I think that gives us a good transition over to our next panelist, actually, uh, speaking of uh, energy storage and energy uh, sources. So, Öystein, I would now like to turn to you. Uh, you are from a fairly new entity within Yara, Yara Clear Ammonia, Clean Ammonia. Uh, what can you tell us about the background for establishing this entity and how are your ambitions towards the maritime industry? 
Yeah, thank you very much, and uh, and thanks for for uh, being here. I'm uh, coming from a, a totally different industry than uh, than the rest of the panel here. Uh, uh, Yara has a long uh, history as a fertilizer company, more than 120 years, uh, and uh, we're one of the largest fertilizer companies in the world. Uh, our only connection to a, a maritime environment is that we are shipping a few million tons of dry bulk. Uh, uh, globally every year, uh, a few million tons of ammonia, coming back to that. And uh, we have a little finger in the maritime industry as well in a 100% uh, owned uh, daughter company, uh, Yara Marine Technology, uh, which is supplying uh, uh, sulfur uh, removal scrubbers to the, to, to the shipping industry. Uh, this story, however, is starting back in 2016 when, when we started implementing uh, what was a radically new strategy in, in our company uh, to look at how we could decarbonize our 8.5 million tons of ammonia production uh, from uh, using a hydrogen feed from gas conversion uh, to hydrogen produced by uh, water electrolysis and renewable energy. So totally without uh, CO2 emissions. Uh, looking into how we could do that, we, we, we soon started looking into uh, market segments that potentially could uh, employ zero carbon nitrogen products as, as a dedicated product or, or, or was looking for that uh, in particular. And uh, uh, energy came very soon up as, as one such segment, which was brand new to us. Uh, ammonia is not sold to energy today of, of various and, and very natural reasons, uh, but it's a, it's a, it's a high uh, energy density uh, material. Uh, and uh, we started looking into uh, um, ammonia as shipping fuel as one of the opportunities. There were a few uh, research and, 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 and development groups around that was looking at it. But the real change uh, came in 2018 with the uh, with the, uh, with the IMO resolution uh, and ambition to reduce uh, uh, greenhouse gas emissions significantly uh, in the shipping industry. And uh, that came about at the same time as several studies and uh, uh, amongst them from I, uh, the International Energy Agency predicting uh, a future uh, of, of fuels in, in the maritime industry where uh, ammonia was highlighted as uh, uh, one of the most suitable zero emission uh, fuels of the future. Uh, a few of these reports also highlighted ammonia as the most suitable future zero carbon fuel. Uh, and of course, then uh, the activity level uh, increased significantly. Uh, I, at, at this point in time, we believe that uh, the decarbonization of the nitrogen industry and the ambition to reduce uh, greenhouse gas emissions in, in shipping is going well and hand in hand. Uh, however, if you look at the future, uh, it's, it's quite clear that the volumes that we are talking about in, in, uh, in, uh, in fuel uh, is requiring a significant capacity increase and a significant capacity ramp up uh, in all parts of the supply chain or value chain here from, from production uh, all the way through uh, to the various uh, elements of the, of, the, uh, of the supply chain. Uh, and uh, we believe that um, 
in order to achieve uh, the, the required ramp up here, they, they both uh, increased collaboration, uh, innovation, and alignment, not at least between the uh, various players in the uh, value chain will be required. Uh, in February this year, uh, Yara uh, established Yara Clean Ammonia uh, to uh, bring this process forward uh, on our behalf, as Martin was saying. And what you see on the slide here is, is our starting point. Uh, which is our existing ammonia uh, trade and shipping uh, activity. We're present uh, as a global player and as the, uh, the, the, the major uh, uh, shipper of, of ammonia bulk today. And we're operating uh, globally uh, with um, a number of plants uh, and own production capacity. We're also trading and dealing with third-party product and uh, we're operating a fleet of uh, ammonia gas carriers to take the ammonia from, from, uh, from one location to the next. And finally, we have a network of, uh, of uh, terminals close to shore and uh, uh, several of them and several uh, of the plants that we operate are close to important uh, bunkering hubs as, as uh, Rotterdam, Singapore, et cetera. So that we, we believe that we have a good starting point here to bring this forward. And uh, uh, we're really looking forward to, uh, to, to an exciting, uh, to exciting times going forward to see uh, how this can be uh, developed. Thank you. Uh, very interesting, Stein. What do you see in your as the most critical factors uh, in introducing and potential scale up then of ammonia as a fuel? Well, the the uh, the the question, the two questions that uh, that is coming back is, as you're indicating, it's the uh, the it's the capacity in the system today, uh, and safety. We believe that we can we can deal with both. Uh, the ammonia is handled safely today in 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 the in the, in the um, supply chain. Uh, there is about 20 million tons being shipped around today uh, annually and uh, there are very, very few accidents. So we believe that with the right training, with the right equipment uh, in place, that this, uh, that ammonia can, can be uh, handled safely as a fuel as well. And we, we will make everything we can uh, to contribute to that systems are put in place to, to, uh, to, to deal with the safety uh, issue. Uh, when it comes to capacity, I think uh, the, the alignment of, uh, between the players in the, in the value chain will be the important uh, part. It's quite clear that there are some free capacity today. Uh, so if you, if you convert uh, existing capacity to green and, and, and blue for that matter, which is, which is then a carbon-free uh, ammonia, both of them, uh, the, uh, the, 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 there is a, a system capacity today to, to, to supply the first uh, um, uh, few hundred vessels. But clearly, to make this huge and make this big, and we're looking at large volumes, uh, maybe a doubling or tripling of, of existing uh, production capacity. And it's quite clear that, uh, that uh, significant investments are required. Uh, and in order to, to trigger those investments, uh, we also need to to, to understand what is happening in the, in the, in the, amongst the end users. So the, the, the ship owners needs to, to make their choices. And, and that will, of course, also uh, determine 
uh, to a large degree uh, how the the uh, the scale up and development of uh, of the supply chain will look like. Very good. Thank you for sharing that insight uh, this time. Um, one thing that um, basically all of you panelists have been touching upon has been uh, collaboration. Obviously, from the uh, from from the cluster side. Uh, but also the rest of you have talked about collaboration in one way or the other to uh, as, as an important factor for for innovation and for development. Um, so a question to, to all of you basically, how do you balance the collaborative spirit, uh, both in the clusters, but also in other collaboration initiatives towards new solutions when uh, with the fact that the members um, and the participants may also be competitors? Challenge you on that one first, uh, Pedrick. Uh, I think this is the complicated thing about uh, the cluster because we have so many yards, so many manufacturers and design company. But I think we we cooperate on on uh, on uh, knowledge uh, and and uh, generic uh, knowledge. Uh, and then uh, the projects, either you have a project with an end user on uh, and, and they go full uh, along together with a, a few in the cluster, or uh, we as a cluster organization, we take it there. From there, it's up to the companies to, to, to find the solution together with the customer. But basically we, we, we connect people we, we bring in new uh, knowledge and, and we always are looking or not saying the wrong things because we, we, there are information that we shouldn't share with Britain or whoever, they have to find it out for themselves. So, so but, but I think uh, when you have the culture for this, it's not so difficult as you should think. It's possible for the yards to, to bring up new competence or, or using new networks together. And then when you start talking to the custom like Yara and others, then you you leave the big company and go back to yourself. So I think that's the way we are doing it. Thank you, Frederik. Hege, how do you see it from, from your perspective? Uh, I think uh, we also see some differences between the clusters uh, because um, the cluster strategy uh, is defined by uh, the industry. They are uh, in, in charge uh, in the board and setting our strategy. So what's important for the companies, that's uh, how we act as a cluster organization. And for our partners, uh, innovation, demonstration of new technology has been a high priority. And in these projects, we, of course, need to have a uh, uh, close uh, focus on IPR and how to handle consortium of partners, um, uh, especially when it's, uh, it's uh, technology, which is quite uh, yeah, sensitive uh, regards of competition. But when it's um, projects, uh, which is more at a very um, early phase, more concept development um, with an unmature market, it's easier to handle um, several competitors, traditional competitors uh, within the project. Uh, 
So when we started out um, back in 2013, developing electrical vessel, we had several partners on board, but that would be impossible today when the market is more mature. Okay, yeah. Thank you for that, Helga. Uh, then uh, we are moving towards an end here, but uh, just uh, would like to have a very quick uh, feedback on, on one of the things that um, uh, we have touched upon. I mean, Hege addressed earlier on how her strategy changed over the last uh, 10 years in maritime clean tech. Uh, did you, the other, to the rest of you, do you see any difference in how to be successful in taking new solutions to the market in the time to come compared to in the past? Your earth, any reflections on that? I think the challenge is a little bit, um, or not a little bit, it's uh, quite much uh, heavier now since we are changing uh, energy carriers as, as, uh, as well from uh, fossil fuels to green uh, uh, energies, uh, which is a challenge in all, uh, let's say, uh, part of the chain. Um, and uh, for that, we need to collaborate in order to spread these. Um, possibilities or the, the possible technologies uh, into the, uh, let's say, governments or whoever, the, the shipping, uh, the uh, logistic systems and everything, everything is all tied together. And yeah. without having these spread around and having a volume, it's, um, it's a dead stuff, actually. So all the guys need to have um, an agreement that what is feasible, what is not. So it's a little bit different, difficult to answer directly, but uh, it's, um, let's say, uh, walk around and we have the chicken and egg situation, all of us. Very good. Short comment from you also, Per Erik, uh, on that question. Yeah, yeah uh, I see a, a big change because uh, as I said earlier, uh, it's a global market and, and Norway is a small nation and a lot of the new innovations or technologies comes from abroad. So I see that our value chain, it's changing. It becomes more and more global uh, to have, have partners all over the world to, to, to cooperate and, and find the solutions. Uh, and of course, uh, in the earlier stage, as Hege said, it's easy because then nobody knows, but we, 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 we live of selling vessels. So, so at one stage, uh, we, we, we have to bring it home and, and start competing. But uh, in, in building up the competence and uh, testing out uh, new prototypes, I think it's easier in, in a global value chain. Uh, and I, I think it was uh, also Negor, he, he mentioned this thing that should we meet these requirements, we have to scale very fast. We, we have to find solutions and scale them, or else it's too uh, costly to, to buy and operate. So, so therefore, uh, bringing a lot of project and then see what's best and, and then try to scale. Thank you. Very good. I think we will have that as the final point of, uh, of our discussion today. So thank you all for sharing and for uh, sharing of your insight and your your approach to technology and innovation. So thank you to Hege, to Pererik, Jorulf, Lars Endre and uh, Einstein. And thank you also to, to Nicholas and Capitalink for organizing this uh, this great event.
Well, thank you from me as well to all of you. Uh, it's been a wonderful panel on a very important uh, topic and activity in Norway. So I can't thank you enough, uh, all of you for participating and Morten for putting it together and, and moderating. So thank you so much. And uh, I wish you a great evening. And uh, we look forward to the second day of our forum tomorrow. Thank you again very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a nice evening. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.